0: And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of FileMaker Talk. My name is Matt Petrowski and with me is Matt Navar. And we are Matt and Matt, or otherwise known as Matt Squared. You got it. So, my friend, it's been a while. It's been way too long. Yeah, October. October. (laughs) We want to do this every month. What happens to us? Where are we? I want to do this every week or every couple of weeks, but, uh, you know, life gets in the way. Oh, that's true. We have so many other things that. What did we just wax poetic for about forty minutes t- uh, talking about iPad games and other stuff? And we're like, aren't we supposed to be talking about FileMaker?
1: <laughs> I know we've actually been talking before recording for more than half an hour. Yeah, probably forty minutes, haven't we? Yep. Talking about what we're going to talk about, and then go wait. We, this we got to stop and save this for the episode. <laughs>
0: it just it sort of happens. I mean, we've got so many things that uh, we like sci-fi, you know, all kinds of stuff. That's of course, true. that's we- only
1: one, but. <laughs> We talk about books. Yep. I started an Ayn Rand book this
0: time around on Audible. Oh, there's a supposed to be, I saw a video somewhere about a mini series about Atlas Shrugged coming out, but only like one little small chunk because it's such a monolithic novel.
1: It was monolithic. I really liked it. I just started reading The Fountainhead. I'm about a third of the way through.
0: I've got that, and I started it, and I never went past like, I don't know, 40 minutes. I just got on into something else. But yeah. I want to listen to it because I've heard it's really good as well.
1: Yeah, I've started a few books like that. I, I started reading the Satanic Verse just to find out what it was all about. Um, Satanic Verses, I guess. Because <clears throat> it made such huge splash in the news, you know, ten years ago, Salman Rushdie. And the story just didn't grab me. I don't know, maybe I, I'm missing something. but <laughs> the, There's the whole libertarian thing with uh, Ayn Rand. But really, this... It's so, it's so much more, this one, really, is so much more about just sort of being independent and being stubborn-headed and wanting what you want at the cost of everything. You know, the main character wants to build buildings the way he wants to build them, and that's that.
0: <laughs> there are more, like, definitions of different types of systems, theologies, processes. I mean, it seems like ever since Wikipedia came out, you can define almost anything as something new as long as you can find a term that hasn't already been used to describe what it is that you're trying to describe. Wikipedia? What's that? Oh, that's <laughs> that great site. <laughs>
1: oh, I gotcha.
0: So what's your It's Not FileMaker, Dr. Petrovsky? All right. It's Not FileMaker. My It's Not maker is an iPad app. Of really? course. Huh. Oh, seems like uh, it's either an iPhone app or an iPad app when it's not FileMaker. Huh? Yeah, uh, Pulse is a re- newsreader. I started using, and I know that you use it, um, Flipboard. Yeah, I like Flipboard. Because Flipboard, is, it's really cool. You could sit there and you could flip through things. And one of the things that I really, really dig about the iPad and the iPhone is the swiping. When there are applications where I have to traverse from let's say bottom lower corner all the way to top upper corner of the opposite side that's a, that's a lot of even though I mean it's a small form factor device it's still a lot of travel but when an app really does swiping really well so that's basically what pulse does pulse has these pages and on the page you have these um, it's broken up according to horizontal I'll call them columns even though typically columns are vertical, but uh, well, let's say rows. Um, These six rows, and they're you know, I think only four or five of them fit on the iPad screen, but it's basically a horizontal representation of the RSS feeds, and if there's a picture that it finds, it uses that picture, whatever image is within the context of that RSS, and so it's very, very visual, where Flipboard, you know, you tap the one side, and you swipe the page from, you know, what what is it, from right to left, and that flips the page. Well, this, you just swipe the rows, and you can swipe up and down as well in order to hmm. go up and down the rows. And so you're basically looking at these pictures along with the titles. So it's to me, it seems like you get to be really more discriminating in terms of a larger cross-section of news, whereas Flipboard, they're going to stick like maybe four, maybe five on a page, and then you've got to flip to the next page, and then you've got to flip to the next page. This feels much more fluid to me because I started using Flipboard. I thought, oh, wow, this is cool. Apple gave it a great review, used it for like two weeks, and then somehow saw something on a website, I don't know, in Gadget or somewhere, about Pulse, and I'm like, okay, I'll try that. Downloaded it. From the day that I started using it, I've not opened... Uh, s- flipboard. Really? I've not opened Reader, which I bought. I've not opened um, Byline or some other news reader. Hmm. Uh, the only thing I use now is Pulse. I just downloaded it. I'll play with it. Very cool. It's very, very visual. Yeah, it was. It started. There was a. I looked back in, in, at some news. There was some hullabaloo where they had Apple had immediately taken it off shortly after they had released it. They were initially charging something like four dollars and they took it off because the New York Times had complained that it was just one of the default feeds that they had loaded. And it was us- you know it was showing their pictures. Oh. And so Apple just took it right off, but then after a couple of weeks after they resubmitted, it went back up, and now it's free. Cool. I'm loving it. Like and it. yours?
1: Well, I've been listening to a lot of music. I-, I program while listening to music when I'm not meeting with people. It really helps just set the pace. I don't know why that my brain works that way, but it does. And I found a band a, re- a friend of mine recommended called Danielle Ate the Sandwich, which is definitely a really weird name band. It's this young woman who sings and she plays ukulele and she has amazing voice. And for some reason, it works really well. And then she's got the you know band backing her stuff, and I really dig the songs. I've got a bunch of other things recently that I really like too, but that one's
0: kind of outstanding. What genre is that? I mean, you say ukulele. I'm thinking, okay, folk or well, <laughs> modern. It, I, I think it's actually
1: called folk, but I would kind of put it more in pop. It doesn't really twinge the folk. And, you know, when I'm listening to it, to me, it doesn't really feel like other folk music that I would listen, that I would not listen to, because that's not a genre that I would pick. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be able to find this on iTunes and just look for her and then listen to, like, the yeah, 30 she, or 60-second clips? Yeah, actually, I think they're 90-second clips on iTunes now, for most things. Yeah. I also got the new Cake record, which I really like. And
0: Oh, I, that, what was there was that song, something about the telephone, that was, like, really popular, like, I don't know, five maybe even 10 years back? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it a, I remember that one. I only had two or three of, the, of right. them that I listened to. I got all the cake albums. like them. Nice. My choice of music usually uh is less mainstream. I'm on that house techno electronica oh, yeah. stuff.
1: I listen to some of that not so much on programming because it tends to be well actually not all, all that stuff's down tempo but the stuff i usually really like in the electronica space is the more down tempo zero seven and supreme beings of leisure and thievery corporation stuff like that i did find two other albums recently that i think are worth checking out cindy lopper came out with a blues record called memphis blues you'd never know that it was cindy lopper singing because it's not at all like her 80s pop stuff it's really good and then etta james who's a classic woman of the blues came out with an album that's by far my favorite work she's ever done um called blues to the bone which i have listened to uh incessantly since i've heard it so those are kind of my three that are on my rotation at the
0: moment well you've definitely got more of the uh the music bug that's one thing that's always surprised me there are a lot of people that develop that are in FileMaker, and I had never made the correlation. I don't know if I said this before, but like I never really thought of music as being mathematical. But you know, somebody who was a developer who was also into music said, uh, "Yeah, duh." And you know, go figure. There are a lot of people who are into FileMaker and other programming endeavors that they're totally into music as well. But I just never made that cross. I, I never got into music as much as I did programming.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of musicians uh, who are FileMaker developers, a significant number. In fact, uh, here in Portland, several of my best friends who are FileMaker developers all have degrees in music.
0: (laughs) That's what I studied in college. So I guess you can just make a little more money doing programming than you can trying to be a musician. That's exactly what I realized when I was graduating from music school.
1: It's like, well, let's see what (laughs) I could could, uh, really um, practice like crazy and try to get a job playing in a symphony or something like that and make 30 grand a year or I could work and make a lot more money selling software in a retail store which is what I was doing at the time <laughs> or you know developing and and then do music on the side where it's pure joy and not
0: to earn a living awesome so what's in FileMaker news this week switching to FileMaker news switching um, we'll let's see we've got the most recent news which is the Mighty Summit in may four through six now this is something that uh, you know a little bit more about this. I just saw that the news actually just came out just last night yesterday actually yep. in the news reader it says one twenty six a m and today is january twenty eighth <laughs> <laughs> that 's funny i didn 't realize it was in the middle
1: of the night, kind of a thing yeah, well, I talked to kirk Bowman a lot and and, and several others uh, at mighty data, so i 'm f- familiar with their company and a big fan of their work they 're putting on this thing. Uh, in Orlando, so even though they're a Texas company, they're doing it in Orlando, which I think has got the good vacation bent to it. And it's kind of a training, but not really. And it's not; it's more more like a training and a and a one on one hands on kind of a thing. Uh, I think aimed at like in house developers to learn FileMaker really deeply, and it also kind of connects with the coaching thing that they do. Right? Like, so Martha Zink, who was on a recent episode, does coaching and training. And so they're going to really take all the individual people who come to this and really sort of take each of them under their wing and, and lead them through it. It's pretty expensive. It's 2500 bucks for the three-day event, which includes uh, lodging and meals and stuff like that. Uh, also, Andy LaCates and Rosemary T.G. are going to be there from FileMaker. So that's kind of a good draw. I was kind of thinking that they should... Invite or have uh, other people from a- other companies invited to this thing too, but i don 't know if there 's budget for that, or even just invite them to just hang out and be hang around with the the filemaker people
0: yeah that uh, that seems a little a little price me i i, I don 't know anything about what they 've got going on I know that uh, from listening to your interview with Martha, she's like a top-notch, stellar person. I know Kirk personally, but when you start talking, when you start talking about twenty-five hundred dollars and up, you're in a. I would have to look at their marketing and see what it is exactly that I'm going to learn because, I mean, that's a big price. I would expect that if you said. Okay, here's the FileMaker training. It's twenty five hundred dollars. The first thing I'm I'm thinking is, okay, this is going to be a week, and they're going to teach me every single thing they've ever known about FileMaker. And at the end of that week, I should at least feel comfortable with walking away knowing that I can build a solution at least twice as fast as I could before, and one that's doubly better. So, I'd have to look at their marketing on that. But
1: well, you know, I kind of think it's going to be like that. I think if you're an in-house developer and you're not the kind of person who would go to and be able to really fully get out of DevCon or pause on error because you're not kind of part of the community, I think this is the event for that sort of a thing, because you're going to be able to work with people directly. And I think they're initially targeting their clients and they've got a pretty big client base, but other other companies who have, uh, and most of FileMaker developers are in-house developers. So I think they I think they are thinking a little bit more about the marketing than
0: you and I might be guessing. Mm. Um, I'm, well, I just went to their page. So yeah. I'm gonna have. To, I'll have to spend a little time and look at what it is that they're offering. I mean, if yeah. it's detailed enough and says, you know, on this day we're going to learn this, this, and this, and I could at least determine, you know, assuming that I wanted to learn those specific things, that they aligned with what I wanted to learn about FileMaker. But yep. So that could be good. <clears throat> we'll
1: keep following that.
0: So I was only mentioning that because I remember a couple of other twenty-five. 2500 premium based courses in the past that didn't necessarily uh, end up happening. Right. You yeah, know, the one that Brian Dunning was spearheading a few years ago. Yeah, and I think, it did, wasn't he? Was, he had like four or five different speakers that yeah. were all really well
1: known. That and, was even more expensive. That wasn't it? like five or six grand or something. I forget. It was a lot of money, I remember.
0: I don't even know. Hey, if there's anybody listening, if you uh, want to attend a uh, $2,500 or $3,000 course, Matt and I will uh, set something up. We'll, we'll teach you everything we, everything know, we know. Everything <laughs> All you have to do is email us. <laughs> what is it? Matt at FileMakerTalk.com? <laughs> yeah. Oh, He's joking, we by the way.
1: Ton. He's joking.
0: What do you mean I'm joking? <laughs> you wouldn't teach people?
1: No. Hey, if we could get 20 people, let's do it. I don't know. You personally... <laughs> um, I'd have to say that teaching really drains me. If I if I spend a day teaching and just teaching, I, I feel totally wiped at the end of the day. But if I spend a day programming, I'm totally energized at the end of the day. So a long time ago, I decided that teaching was not for me. <laughs> gotcha. You know, but that's then again, true. I, you know, it does take a lot out of you. It's not just about the money.
0: Very true. Very true. <laughs>
1: So, in other news, your latest video, um, Draco Ventions, Chris Dragons, really, really cool tool. I actually have not played with this software, and I have not watched the video, so I want you to tell me about it. Uh, You're so kidding. I, I thought no, you had at least downloaded it. I, I downloaded it a while ago um, in an earlier version. I think they're at 2.5 now. And just, I don't know, I forgot to play with it or didn't get into it.
0: Oh, my gosh. And oh, this is a huge. It just- it's a it's a game changer for developing while you're developing, because normally when you want to find something in FileMaker, your only route is the database design report. If you want to find all of the occurrences of something, this is just a, it's a dialog box with a search area that you just type in whatever it is you're looking for, and it doesn't matter whether it's a variable name or whether it's a um, a field reference. You can put in the field reference with the table occurrence with the double Uh, semicolons, and basically just hit search, and it will search based on wherever you were at. If you're looking at the manage scripts dialog, it searches across all of your scripts, and it even goes into steps such as the import and export. If the import and export references a field, it will stop on that script, open the script for you, go to the step where that field is actually mentioned or referenced, and just stop right there. And you click the next button, and then it will just start trucking through the rest of your scripts. How does it do that? I don't know how he's seeing that stuff, quite honestly, because that stuff isn't just, it's not like it's like the clipboard, like out there on the open. So there is a bit of a mystery to this particular application in terms of how he's, unless he's gone in and reversed, you know, some of the file structure and he's loading that into his own resources and being able to search across those. I, it would be very interesting to know if he gave up his secrets of how he's actually doing that Hmm. but he's got it for Mac and Windows it works in manage scripts area, it works within um, your database dialogue within defined fields, now it doesn't go across all of your different tables it's if you're looking at a specific table in that list of fields, it only goes across those particular fields. It also has a, this other really nice feature that I wasn't formally using it prior to shooting my video on the magazine site. Which, for anyone listening, if you want, it's free. Just go to filemakermagazine.com and uh, the videos there. It's um, I forget what the title of it is. Two de- two cool developer tools. I talk about Clip Manager too, but um, this Evaluate function. Now, typically when I'm testing code, I'm going over to the Data Viewer. Yep. I'm either creating a new variable or I, what I tend to do is just rehash or reuse one that's already there and just you know blow out whatever was there and start to reuse the new one. Well, he's got this little button on this dialog box that simply is this search dialog box that says evaluate. I Until I started using it, and I just started using it after the video, it is very, very useful and valuable. Because when you're writing test code, let's say you're in a script, you're in a particular set field step and you're wanting to find out something about the field that you're referencing. You've forgotten what the value is that you had put in there because you're trying to get a known result. You know you're testing against is this going to give me actually what I'm expecting to get based on my calculation. Well all you have to do is highlight the text. It doesn't matter whether you're highlighting just the result of one particular variable within a let statement, or whether you're highlighting the whole let statement, as soon as you click the evaluate button, it simply does the evaluation exactly as if you had the data viewer open, but you're directly in your set field dialog box. Hmm. You never have to leave it. Extremely convenient, but something that you definitely have to, you know, force yourself to use and sort of start to create those habits based on his tool. Because right off the bat, the only obvious feature is this find and replace. Well, I should say just this find. It's right. not a full <clears throat> cool find and replace refactoring tool.
1: So this is Draco Vention's d r a c o v e n t i o n s dot com, and it's sixty nine bucks for a single user license. And it's there's called, a bunch of different products he has. This one's called Developer Assistant. Correct. Yep. I am going to check it out. It sounds really cool. i often, I uh, I guess I. Work really hard to just sort of remember where stuff is, but I very often really wish I had a way to search within scripts and within you know everything in filemaker as i 'm developing
0: yeah, the first time that you need it that you want to change a literal reference, which hopefully you know, we're pro- when we 're programming we 're avoiding literal references at all possible you know anytime you put the name of a layout within quotes and you 're using that within a go to layout step that then could break because somewhere down the road you change the name of your layout and now your little reference no longer matches up with the name of the true layout.
1: Oh yeah, my favorite one, uh, when you convert a solution from FileMaker 6, I just uh, did a big thing like this <clears throat> and I thought, oh, I'll just use the developer tool to rename all the files because the names were really bad. And all the layout had all the converted scripts that call scripts in other files say go to window such and such. And none of those things, since they're all literal references, get changed. And so it immediately didn't work. And I reverted to the bad names because there's just no way.
0: Oh, (laughs) that you're going to go through all of those. Yeah, no way.
1: This is the exact this could actually do it because then I could say, oh, in,
0: in all my scripts, find all the ones that say this window name. That's what you've got to do. You've got to go load the Draco Vintions. You've converted the FileMaker 6 solution. You're now in FileMaker 11. And watch how easy it is to find all of the references, all of the window references based on the old bad name. And it'll take you'll just be like, oh, I'm never going to use FileMaker without this tool. So when I read about this tool yesterday, I emailed Chris, and I think he's going to be a guest on an
1: upcoming podcast. That's going to be good. We'll talk in detail about it. Yeah, that's what you're going to have to get at. So how are you doing this? I'll ask him what's, under the, what's under, the covers, under the covers. So, let's see. Uh, a couple of other things I want to talk about. Um, FileMakerStandards.org. That's the thing that you started
0: with others. How's that going? Well, it's uh, it's as I mentioned on the actual page, it is not my goal to get this to be like the end-all be-all of standards. My only purpose in doing it was simply to document how I'm currently coding my solutions and anybody else who wants to you know sort of look at what i've got and sort of adopt it then i'd love to work with you know other people to evolve this i think there's some a lot of unique things in what we're doing a lot of them are non-conventional compared to what a lot of other people have been developing in mm-hmm. filemaker and there are a couple of people. One of them up in your area, um, Perrin, and yeah, then yeah. Jeremy Bonte, who was at Kaiologic and mo- went over to a support group. Um, they have been making contributions, and for the people who are, you know, fully, you know, making contributions, using part of the standards, enjoy using them. Those people get a um, an account on the actual wiki and are able to. Um, Directly interact with the pages for everybody else, for anyone else who's not, who's just sort of watching what's going on and what we're doing. There is a mailing list, and that's on the actual page. But we've been getting a lot of feedback, and there's been a little bit of buzz. But again, nothing has ever really taken off in a broad way with FileMaker and yeah standards.
1: Well, you know, here's the thing that I get from this site. I've read through a whole bunch of the uh, wikis and. Really, kind of reconsidered my position on a few things, and I've, there's been a few areas that I that I actually changed the way I'm coding as a result of the uh, of reading through the argument and and uh, finding myself agreeing with the conclusion. For example, one of them is I used to in every table I used to always have the ID field. I would name it company ID, person ID, uh, you know, invoice ID, whatever. And I think the con- the convention. That I cho- chose to change is now whatever the primary key is, I just call it ID, and that's the key for that table. Because yep. everywhere in FileMaker that you're using it, you always see it in context. If you make a relationship from, uh, from you know, company to invoice, and you want to see the ID in the other table in your invoice, and you want to see the company ID, you always see the name of the table. So Correct. you never—it's never just hanging out there in space. Yep, and I think there's a lot of things like that that if you think it through you go, "Oh yeah, that does make sense." And, and and then it makes scripts more portable and other things more portable because they always know that the that the name of the primary key is ID in any given table. You never have to wonder if it's company space ID or whatever.
0: Yep. But the 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 main goal that I had, you know, over however, I forget how many years it's I've been working with FileMaker – but the main thing that I always had problem with was being confused with your own stuff. And so the purpose of the standards was if I can't open something that I developed you know, six months ago or a year ago and immediately read and understand it, something's wrong. And so the whole focus is readability. So we don't use any of those underscore uh, shorthand prefix keys like G for global, K for key, a T for text, all of that stuff. The names need to be completely readable. Now, we do use special characters. For example, one that I really like that um, I have to give you credit for Jeremy on this one. I started off with using the tilde as the prefix for custom functions that were not supposed to be called directly. They were considered private functions, hmm. where in other languages within object-oriented uh, programming you have classes and those classes are either publicly accessible or private and private basically just sort of means like this is my code in order for the solution to actually run don't make a direct call to it make a call to the public function because that public function will in turn oftentimes use its own private functions oh yeah and so what jeremy did is jeremy furthered that con that notion he said well, why don't we use the tilde for anything that's private? And so what we started using is we started using the tilde as the prefix for any let-based variable because by its nature, any variable within a let function is private in scope to only that let function. And then, of course, once you step outside of that, you're now using the dollar sign for a locally scoped variable and the double dollar signs for global. So the tilde more or less became our prefix for anything that is private in terms of scope within FileMaker. And it has vastly improved the readability of my longer FileMaker calculations. Because, I mean, immediately off the bat, you see all these tildes. You know that those only belong within the let function, and they're immediately distinguishable from a field name. Or a table occurrence reference, according to how we're, we're referring to table occurrences. So it's little things like that that, for the few people that are joining in, those types of contributions are just awesome. Yep, exactly. So,
1: Theme Studio is out. It's been shipping for a little bit now. I it to, is? Yes, it is. You should know. You're getting the, you're cashing the checks and taking them to the bank, right? <laughs> I wanted to find out how um, how early success is going. You you made a really big commitment to come out with new um, theme packs,
0: and they're looking great. Oh, thank you. I think I appreciate that. Success uh, in filemaker is relative. We are in a small market, so it is making a, a few sales um, every day or so. So I'm pleased so far. I mean, I, it would be great if the filemaker market was a bigger market for. But for the people who are buying it, they are, from what I'm hearing, they're getting an immense degree of value. And that's because it's sort of, it consolidates everything, as I've already talked about this in other podcasts, I believe. But it just basically consolidates everything that you do with regards to your user interface, plus allows me, and eventually others, a channel in order to distribute, you know, themes that are already designed. So that you don't have to do a whole lot of the work. So but it has been you know there's I've got a few bugs on the Windows 64 side for some reason Windows 64 bit we're working with Jesse's plugin it just doesn't want to work and well there's java issues on Windows 64 Yeah that there's, yeah, there's uh, separate
1: separate builds of java that have
0: that have. And uh, did you know that um FileMaker is actually not officially supported on Windows 64 bit Huh if uh, you you go look at FileMaker's knowledge base they do not officially support Windows 64-bit with FileMaker, even FileMaker 11. Lame. It runs. Yeah, it but runs perfectly. It's not officially supported. Well, I mean the Mac
1: 64-bit. I actually just upgraded my uh, MacBook to eight gigs of RAM because uh, I was some of the apps I was running was really chewing up through all my memory. Really? Yeah.
0: I've had it, four on a laptop and six on my desktop, but I've never broken six.
1: Uh, I was getting with four gigs. I was getting quite a bit of times where I was totally pegged, and things would just slow to a crawl when I had several applications open. So, uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember the ones that were really bad. Aperture is a pretty big user of RAM and processor. iTunes also uses a huge amount of RAM when you have a really big library.
0: Hmm. Interesting. It loads
1: that huge XML file.
0: Well, that's what... uh for as regards to the theme studio, oh, you know what I should do? Anybody who's interested, I should do like a coupon deal, like for yeah. anybody who's listening, that if they wanted to buy it, just to see how many people you know, out of all of the listeners that haven't bought the theme studio, come up with a coupon code. You're going to invent it right now, aren't you? I'm going to I'm going to get a piece of paper and I'm going to write it down. It's going to it's going to have the words FMT for FileMaker Talk. And I'll just put 2011. So I'll put in FMT 2011. And what I'll do is... Put that on I'll, my Facebook right now. Just kidding. I'll take off... <laughs> <laughs> I'll take off $27. $27 seems to be my magic number, which I know is at least 15... What is that? It's got to be 15% or more. Let's see. 27 Okay, it's 20%. It's right at 20%. It's 19. There you go. So let's call that a 20% offer. FMT-2001. You enter that on the order page. 2011? Oh, yeah, sorry, 2011. FMT-2011. Just out of interest. Do we we don't even know how many people listen to this, do we? Uh,
1: no. It's kind of hard to know from the numbers. I mean, you can get numbers that say how many people download it. And thanks, Ma, very much for downloading it.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, and the uh, other five people. Not,
1: yeah, <laughs> my mom's not one of them.
0: All right, let's move it on. We're I'm lagging.
1: Move it on. To what?
0: Um. Well, the next thing we had was a little bit of uh, my impressions of Go, and I was just going to sort of relay my oh, experience. You're going to go there. You're going to go there. I'm going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to mention it briefly, just so that people were aware. I've recently been working on a theme, and that theme is a little uh, calendar theme. And what I've noticed, and this is just a word of advice, is if you're doing something for mobile deployment, avoid conditional formatting. Because conditional formatting just seems to, aside from the fact that Go, it's great that that I can have my data. It works pretty well local. It works pretty well on a local network. It gets a little bit slower, of course, when you're going over the WAN. But the refreshing is just painful. But for every little conditional formatting you continue to add on to that, it just gets even that much more uh, painful. So like, use conditional formatting sparingly. It works really, really well for if you're just going to have fields on, on a layout and you just want to look at the data. But doing a lot of complex stuff, I've noticed it's, uh gets a little sticky in there. I think they've got some areas to refine and I'm looking is it, uh, do you think it,
1: Is it the number of uh, objects on a layout that are conditionally formatted
0: or the complexity of the objects that slow it down, you think? I think it's the complexity because actually what I did is I had this little display indicator to display where an appointment, for the duration of an appointment, say it's a one-hour appointment in the middle of the day. So I have this fixed space where on the left I have a line and on the right I have a line and then that represents a full 24-hour period. And so I was using 96 little boxes. It's actually a repeating field of 96 different repetitions. Mm -hmm. Well, in each repetition, I was calculating every 15 minutes for a 15-minute slot, and I wanted to render those. So when I had the conditional formatting on the actual layout and was looking at it on Go, Go would take four. Ever because the the conditional formatting was complex, mm. so I think it's the combination of how if you have you know obviously the more you have the more work FileMaker has to do to calculate, but the complexity of the calculation was much more complex. So what I did is I said forget it, I can't do this; it's too painful. I said instead set up a script trigger on commit, so that when the record is committed, because it sort of made sense, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do a live rendering. In fact, this is a really good lesson for anybody who is using conditional formatting. Unless you actually need live, real-time rendering of the condition, because it's going to change that frequently while the user is looking at it, either other users are doing edits to the the same records that a user could be looking at. Yeah, because conditional formatting can be like, how many
1: characters are in the field? I, I couldn't really tell that until it's committed, though, huh?
0: Right, well, right. Well, in most cases... Yeah. Once a record is committed, it's pretty much static. It's until that record gets changed again. So what I did is instead of using this complex conditional formatting on each of these repetitions of a 96 repeating object, I simply did this in a script trigger. The script then sets actual data, which I really hate doing because you're now adding data into your solution just for the purpose of a UI display because FileMaker can't actually render it fast enough. Right. But I stuck this little one in whichever repetition represented the 15-minute block of time the appointment actually occupied. Mm-hmm. And so now my conditional formatting is pretty simple. Does yeah. this box actually contain a one? Right. And so it goes much, much faster. And by putting the logic into the script, it also made it a little bit more portable as opposed to putting this complex conditional formatting. So if you're doing anything in Go, you have to completely rethink how you're going to actually do your conditional formatting. Don't do your complex formatting that you can get great speed on a desktop because you'll never get it on Go.
1: Hmm. Well, in the current version.
0: In the current version, (laughs) yes. One of the things
1: that FileMaker uh, talked about when they came out with Go initially is that because it's an iPad iPhone app, they're going to rev it a lot more often. It's been a couple of months since the last version, but I do think it's going to be, which actually is kind of funny, we say, gosh, it's been a couple of months. (laughs) Normally we would expect... Uh, a desktop years. app to be – yeah, a year or two years, 18 months or something like that before it gets upgraded. But our our expectation for iOS apps is that they're constantly updated, uh, which I think is very interesting. And I think FileMaker really does want to be in that space. So we'll just have to – we'll see how that's going
0: to work out. Well, I, they have to be in that space. Yeah. There is well, no option. When you look at the number of apps that are being downloaded and this whole app ecology – it has evolved because there are more people using mobile devices, or if not right now, there will be than there are laptop desktop yeah, users. That's true. I mean, it's it, we're talking. It's the Dick Tracy watch. You know, it's obviously larger, but everybody can have one. And so, actually, my the, iPod
1: Nano is about the size of a Dick Tracy watch, but it does not have video because they took that feature out. <laughs> I heard that the, yep. the that they have a watch band. Yeah, there's several things. different ones you can get. Yeah. I don't have <laughs> one, but I just clip it onto my long sleeve shirt sleeve, you know. Long sleeve short sleeve? Shirt sleeve.
0: Oh, shirt sleeve. That was
1: that is a weird phrase. I thought phrase, you said long it? sleeve short sleeve. Yeah, I, I ship I, I that's what I do. My long sleeve short sleeve.
0: <laughs> Which one? Is it the left that's long <laughs> or the
1: right? <laughs> well, the left is long so I can put the watch there. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> So do you have anything else? <sighs> that was our that was our predefined content. It's enough, I think.
0: It is. It's a good round uh, number there. Thirty right around thirty, a little longer than thirty minutes. We're at thirty five.
1: What we should do is do this more often, Matt, because I,
0: I like talking to you. Oh dude. I get such a joy talking to you. That was not like Meant to be mean, even though my tone my tone sounded facetious. No, seriously, I do. I in fact, I'd like to talk to more filemaker people. You always go off and go talk to the filemaker people and do the interviews, and I'm like, where am I?
1: Well, a lot of them I do at like seven in the morning or you know nine o'clock at night. I don't have kids, so I can kind of do whatever you know, run my schedule in weird ways.
0: That's and true.
1: You your good place to record is in your
0: office, right? And you're there kind of nine to two, right? <laughs> uh, usually after ten is when I get here, and then sometimes lately because of all these themes, it's been like eight, nine, <laughs> yeah, at night. I mean, they wow. So you're takes, really putting in. They're putting oh, in the yeah. work now. It takes me a while. I hope. Hopefully, the people who are getting them are thinking, "Wow, this is a deal." Because I mean, it does take. Two days to really knock out the good color combinations and stuff like that, and I keep thinking if anybody asked me or came to me and wanted one of these themes designed, I, I'd tell them, okay, it's going to cost you nothing less than a thousand dollars just for me to think about it. Right. And so the fact that when somebody buys the app and they get, you know, twenty-five of these, half of which are going to be designed now, I, I think that's a for what I'm offering a stellar deal. Will you design me a theme? I can. <laughs> I Todd, You're supposed to say, "Sure, it's a thousand dollars." Todd Geist wants wants me to design one too. I yeah, I'd some, yeah, I'd I like. Some I'd love to design these. They just take a little bit of time to do. But. I think
1: actually a cool another cool thing that you could do would would be to find existing applications where someone has already developed a theme. Uh, you know their look for the whole application, and then copy the widgets of that theme. And make it available so that that can be applied to other things. That's, I think, your long, longer-term vision, isn't it? Well, how do you mean? Well, like, for example, I've spent a huge amount of time on the look and feel of the Orpheus application for um, for public health in Oregon. And so there's icons and layout looks and and real specific dimensions and standards for how all the layouts look the same, lists and and stuff like that. Right. And... That I could actually give you that and say, here, here's a theme, here's a set of layouts that work together and
0: look right together, and you know, and or, then yeah, like, just populate populate it into your copy of the theme studio, and then just click a button which isn't there right now, but will be coming, uh, which is not as easy as clicking sure. a button that says publish, publish, but Make something that, that will actually it. Will create the package for you to upload to the website, which will then publish it for other Theme Studio users.
1: That is what I'm talking about.
0: Yes, that is all there. I use it for myself currently, but it's just not publicly exposed right now. And that's for layout themes. Of course, there's
1: lots of other things too icon packs and.
0: No, everything. Mm -hmm. You would be able to do your own icon pack, you would be able to do your own objects, you know, collection of objects. The the export feature works regardless of all of the different five areas. Well, Sweet. it doesn't work in colors and and gradients. gradients but yeah, the first three, yeah, you'll be able to do that. I can't invent my own new colors and upload them. <laughs> <laughs> you could try. You could very well try.
1: How about just new names for old colors? <laughs>
0: oh, that wouldn't be confusing at all.
1: No, 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 no. That wouldn't be. It's not like you know, it's not bad enough that we already have. Um, all, you know, red is not red in any two languages. Chartreuse no. truly is the new black. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm sure some languages use the same word for the color red. But yeah, you know what I mean. Well, that's excellent. Let's wrap there, and we'll talk to you all soon. All right. Till next time.